You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Rehoboth. Good to see everybody. Welcome to church. I'm Pastor Danny, and uh, Joel is away, uh, so I get to hang out with you guys this morning. In fact, Joel turned, uh, I, can't, I guess I can tell you, he turned 40 on Thursday. It was his birthday. So, so would you on the count of three say a happy birthday, Joel? One, two, three. Happy birthday, Joel! You're now officially an old man, Joel, so anyhow... So anyhow, we're so glad that you're here this morning. I want to say hello to the Fenwick Island campus. Would you give the Fenwick Island campus a big hand? They're joining us right now from Fenwick Island. Love you guys. And let's say a big hello to the, the Millsboro campus right now. Give them a big welcome. Thank you for being with us this morning. And our online family, wherever you're watching from, we're so glad that you're with us. And uh, so we're just thrilled that you are uh, here with us today. So today we're in a series, actually four part, fourth part of the series. We've all been doing this series called uh, Dancing with Porcupines. Great title. Joel came up with a title and I thought, my goodness, what a crazy title. But it's a really, really great title because the idea of dancing with porcupines is the whole idea that, uh, you know, porcupines maybe long for intimacy, but it's hard for them to get close to each other because they're always poking each other. 30,000 quills they're supposed to have. And so you bring two porcupines together. They're kind of always kind of bumping in each other and poking each other. And that is how our relationships work. Relationships are complicated and they're painful. If I ask you right now, how many people ever had some problems in your relationship that caused you some pain, you would all raise your hand. And so dancing with porcupines is this idea, how can we learn to connect with each other without hurting each other? And uh, it's a really, really great concept. So today I want to talk to you about some basic things about relationships. And I don't normally have like so many points, but today... I don't know if I'll pull it off, but I have five uh, uh, things you can do to have a healthy relationship with someone. Five things you can do to have a healthy relationship with someone, and we want to talk about relationships in general, how they work, and uh, how to make them work better. First thing is, I want you to know that conflict in relationship is a pathway to personal growth. Conflict in relationships is a is the pathway to personal growth. You know, we have a like an aversion to conflict in our relationships. We think of, oh my gosh, something goes wrong in one of our relationships, there's a little bit of trouble. We're out of there. We're like gonna quit because we don't want any trouble. But I'm here to say that God has built into the dynamic of relationships conflict so that we can learn to grow through the conflict in our relationships. Relationships that are healthy will have a measure of conflict in them. And uh, in fact, you will never, ever grow, and I will never, ever grow in isolation. When you're all by yourself, just you and your goldfish, you're not going to grow. It's only when you're in contact with other people that you feel this sense of, you know, challenging and adjustment and you have to grow. Now, Karen and I have been married for 45 years. That's a long time. We got married when we were in kindergarten, so we're not that old. <laughs> but uh, I can tell you that being married is the most, the most important thing that has accelerated my personal growth. Because if I just stayed single by myself and just lived by myself, I would be the raging narcissist I was when I married her. 
And being married to someone has made me grow. It's made me change. It's made me think about someone else. I'm a big proponent of marriage. I know we're not all married here today. And if you're not married and you're in a different stage in life, I sure respect your journey and all that. But I seem to have a problem with people that are, you know, in that, they're 35, 37, never been married. They're, at, they're in that fraternity stage. It's like a perpetual piece of party. You know, I'm here to tell you that, you know, sometimes getting married... And, you know, finding somebody that loves Jesus like you love Jesus and staying together and working through problems, that that's going to help you grow more than anything else. I'm telling you, if you get married, you're 37, 35, you know, you're, you know, a, a guy and, you know, you're just still living your single life and all that. And there's nothing wrong. Some people are called to be single, but most people are called to, you know, get married, be in a relationship, raise some kids, because that will help you to grow. I'm telling you what will make a boy into a man is buying a minivan. That's what will make a boy into a man. When a boy buys a minivan and fills that minivan with kids and he's got a wife and he's got a mortgage and he's got to pay the bills, he's got to cut the grass, that will cause you to grow up. That's a good thing. I saw Andy Mason. I don't know where Andy is. I saw him come in today and Andy's got a bunch of kids now, and Andy started working at Bayshore when he was like 15. He's got his own business now, and, and uh, I remember Andy is just a kid. Then he met this beautiful woman. He got married, and they're happy and all that, and uh, they got kids, and I saw Andy walk in, big bags under his eyes. You know, he's a little weary and all that, but he's a man now. He's not a boy anymore, and sometimes I see these guys. I'm like, come on. The pizza party is over Get a job, move out of your mother's basement, marry a good woman, have some kids, and pay your bills. That's a good thing. Because growing only happens in relationships. So that's very important for us to know. You and I do not grow in isolation. We only grow when we are in community with other people, and that forces us to grow. There's a great story in the Old Testament, one of the most famous stories is the story of David killing Goliath. And the Bible says that he went and he got five smooth stones out of the riverbed. Five smooth stones to go against Goliath. And, uh, you know, Saul had said, the king had said, why don't you put on my armor? He said, it doesn't fit. And he went and got five smooth stones out of the riverbed. And uh, why were they smooth stones? They were smooth stones because they were packed in the riverbed next to each other, and the water ran over those smooth stones, and they jostled against each other, and the jostling against each other made the, the stone smooth. So in life, when you are put next to somebody in a relationship and life happens over you, it will jostle you against that person, and that's how you change and become perfect. So if you are, I don't even know what I said was funny then, but I know it must have been good. But here's the thing about that, that when you are in a relationship and somebody is next to you and they're rubbing you the wrong way, that is God's way of helping you to change and become different. And you cannot grow in isolation. You only grow in community. 
And that's why, you know, it, it's great to be a part of a church here. This is such a great campus, and you got so many people coming here in small groups, and thank God for our, our, our online family. But there's something about being with other people, being in a small group, living life together, living in close close proximity. When we went through COVID, there was this kind of wild scattering of everybody. We all got separate from each other. And now what God is doing, God is bringing us back together. He's bringing us back together in our churches. He's bringing us back together in our small groups so we can live in community because we only change when we're connected to other people. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So the struggle that we go through and what we experience in our relationships, and if you're in a relationship right now and you're married and you both love Jesus and you're trying to work this out and you're trying to walk it out, you know, listen, people have problems, marriages have problems. You know, Billy Graham's wife said, you know, she said, I, I never thought about divorce in my life with Billy Graham. I thought about murder, but I never thought about divorce. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're Billy Graham. When Karen and I got married, we were young and selfish, and I was mainly selfish more than her, and I just, it was a mess. You notice how I saved myself there. She's sitting on the front row. It was mainly me. But, you know, it was that struggle, and it was the conflict in the relationship that caused us to grow. One time there was a little boy, a little boy saw a monarch butterfly in the cocoon of the chrysalis trying to, trying to get himself out of that cocoon. And the little boy watched that, that uh, monarch butterfly try to get out of the cocoon and he was really, really, you know, feeling sorry for the butterfly. And so he went and got his penknife and he cut off the bottom of the chrysalis of the cocoon and the butterfly slid out without the struggle and he thought the butterfly would just take off and fly but the butterfly died because when the butterfly struggles to get out of the cocoon there's a chemical that happens inside of the butterfly that goes into the wings that makes the butterfly able to fly and it gives strength to the wings so your struggle in your relationship is not the end of the world, it's the beginning of your change. God is changing you. And so when you're going through conflict and struggle with someone, you have to remember this important principle. God uses conflict in our relationships like the stones in the story to perfect us and make us into somebody different. And so when you're going through a struggle, just say, this is not a struggle, this is an opportunity to grow. That's an important thing for us to think about. Second thing about uh, healthy relationships here is relationships are too important to abandon. Relationships are too important to abandon. You know, here's what I think. I think that we have a tendency, especially in our culture, that when we have problems with somebody, we have this power of the delete button. You can delete, delete, delete. You can unfriend, you can unconnect, you can sever, you can run away, and we are in a process in our country and in our relationships where we so easily abandon relationships that are uh, meant to be long-term. We need to think about that because relationships are too important to abandon. The most valuable thing that you have in your relation in your life is not your, your mutual funds, especially now. Uh, 
It's not your, you know, your, your beamer. It's not your, you know, assets. It's your relationships. The people that you have in your life are the most important things in your life, and you need to remember that they are infinitely valuable. And we have a tendency to just throw away relationships, to throw away friendships, to throw away marriages sometimes that, that, uh, that could be worked on and could be saved. Here's what it says in Proverbs 27, 10. Do not forsake your friend. Do not forsake your friend. The NL, uh, the, the New Living Translation says, never abandon your friend. Never give up on a friend. Have, when you have a friend, when God gives you a friend, when God gives you a relationship, when God gives you a, a significant connection in life, never throw that away just because you're having some trouble. It's important for you to remember that. It's important for all of us to remember that. And here's, here's what I love. Proverbs 18.24 says this, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know what we need in our life? We need sticky people. We need sticky people. People that will stick with us, people that will stay with us when we're having a bad day, when we're not so nice and when we're ugly and we're unkind and we're just like, how many have ever had a day where you're just, a, you're the epitome of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You are just awful. <laughs> and you're just this awful person. And a good relationship is a relationship that looks at you and realizes you're having a bad day and they stick with you. A friend sticks with their friend stays with them, adheres with them, holds on to them. And I've had uh, relationships in my life that are, you know, that have gone through some struggles. And I know, and in fact, I think that any relationship worth having is a relationship that's going to have some adversity. Every relationship is going to be tested. Every marriage is going to be tested. Any true friendship is going to be tested. And those relationships, you know, we should never abandon those relationships. I got a call this week from a person very special to me. When I first started out in the ministry, uh, I was a, uh, you know, I had a very clear vision of what I felt Bayshore, Bayshore should be. And uh, I had a group of elders that worked with me. And there was a disagreement about the direction of the church. And the direction was, you know, should it be about us? you know, sort of like making, you know, Christians happy? Or should it be about reaching the community? And I was more prone to reach the community. And so there was a disagreement with some of the leaders in the church in the early days. And, uh, and I remember it got kind of tense and ugly and, and uh, ended up, you know, we all went our separate ways. And that I, I kind of led the church with a vision that the Lord had given me. And they were all good people. And uh, I was, you know, a good person, I think. And they were good. But where was just this division? But I remember uh, one man in particular that I really felt pain because, you know, I, I really had a relationship with him. And this week he called me. I hadn't talked to him in years. And he, he called me, and I missed him a couple times, and I finally called him back. And he talked. we talked for like an hour on the phone. After 35 years, uh, actually probably 37, 38 years ago, there was this like struggle in our relationship. And out of the blue, he just called me, and he said, 
We talked about everything, talked about his kids, talked about his grandkids. He's got like eight grandkids. He's got a son that's a doctor and he's just, you know, had a wonderful life. And we talked about, he talked about me and he said, I see you don't have any hair anymore. And we talked about stuff and, and we just had a wonderful talk. And then he said, Danny, I want you to know, I want you to know that you had a profound impact on myself and my wife. And I felt, I felt tears come to my eyes, and I felt, I felt my heart fill with joy because I realized that this was still a friendship that I had with this man. Friends are too valuable to throw away. Never throw away a friend. Throw away your garbage, throw away all the other stuff, but never throw away a friend. Throw away your, your eagle's paraphernalia, for sure. Throw that away. <laughs> Throw away the Washington Commander's paraphernalia. Throw that away for sure. Keep your Raven stuff and your Packer stuff, but, but never, ever throw away a friend. Never throw away a relationship. Say this with me. Relationships are the most valuable thing I have in my life. Don't burn bridges, build bridges. Don't turn your back, turn your face toward people. That's an important thing. I remember years ago, uh, I was, Karen and I were having a, a yard sale, and uh, you know, I don't like clutter. I want to get rid of stuff. And so I had this, this old TV upstairs. It was a flat screen TV, and it had a built-in VCR to play videos. How many remember VCRs? I just can't believe we had to get up out of our chair and plug things in. I just can't believe that was ever our life. But I got rid of this uh, TV and a bunch of stuff. I set it out on the uh, table there in the front lawn. Some lady came by with her mother. It was his mother, her mother's birthday. And I sold that TV for $20. I thought, woo, this is wonderful. I got rid of this old TV, 20 bucks. Well, turns out that inside of that TV, I had a home movie that I had left in there. And it was a home movie of Joel and Tim playing football in the front yard. It was a home movie of Joel when he was like eight years old climbing a tree. It was a home movie of uh, Tim and Joel during this firecracker drama they did in the backyard that we filmed. When I realized that that TV had that video in it, my heart was broken because it was an infinitely valuable to me. And I put on Facebook, I told everybody, I said, share it, see if we can find where this is. And it never came back. Whenever you throw away something that annoys you, that old TV just annoyed me, that old video. I didn't want anybody to know I had one of those, you know, it just annoyed me. And I threw it away. But inside of that TV was something infinitely valuable and inside of every single relationship, there is something infinitely valuable and never, ever throw away a friend. I heard of a lady that threw away her, I looked up things that people threw away. One guy threw away uh, 25 lottery tickets that he didn't realize were winners, $50,000 a piece. That cost him big time. There was a lady that accidentally, I don't even know how this happens, she accidentally threw away her, her, her husband's artificial leg. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> True story, man in Florida in the garbage, you know, I don't know, he's propped up looking for his leg, you know. But say this with me, relationships are too valuable to throw away. That's the most important thing that we ever have in our life. Let me, uh, number three here, uh, 
Well, by the way, I just, I mean, just, here's a good little thing. I, I don't want to miss this. This is so good. How many remember the song, uh, Michael W. Smith's song, uh, Friends Are Friends Forever? How many remember that song? Has there ever been a song that's been overdone? That song, I got so tired of singing that song, hearing that song. It was at every graduation, and every time I'd hear it, I'd put my uh, fingers in my ears, and I'd run into a brick wall. I hated that song. It's like that song I can only imagine. I've had enough of it. I mean, I can't hear it no more. I know I made a lot of people mad right now, but I just cannot handle it anymore. I said, Karen, do not play that song in my funeral. Don't even have a funeral if you're going to play that. I don't want that song. But Michael Debbie Smith wrote this song, and it's a great, it's a great song. Uh, and actually, he wrote, the, he wrote the music, and his wife Debbie wrote the lyrics. And here's how it goes. And maybe you want to just stand up and sing it. We can just do kind of karaoke right now. And friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. And a friend will not say never because the welcome will not end. Though it's hard to let you go in the Father's hands we know that a lifetime's not too long to live as friends. Just say it with me one more time. Friends are the most valuable thing I have in life. I had a falling out with one of my tennis buddies. Uh, you know, we're just... I'm competitive. He was competitive. We had this little argument about line calls, and, you know, I said he was blind and couldn't see anything. I mean, I shouldn't have said it. I knew as soon as I said it, Jesus, help me. I shouldn't have said that. No, I didn't say it that way, but I was thinking that. And we got into this thing, and it got really intense, and we just kind of decided we're not going to play with each other for a while, play tennis together. And then he called me. He said, hey, let's have lunch. And we sat down, and I said, listen, I'm so sorry. It was, I was just too tense that day, wanted to win too bad. I'm sorry. He said, no, I was wrong. And I said, no, I was wrong. We got into a big fight in the restaurant. <laughs> but we, we embraced. We played tennis. We're still good friends. I played tennis with him on Thanksgiving morning. Friends are the most valuable asset you have. You want to hold on to your friends and never leave your friends. Here's the next thing. Flexibility in relationships is essential. Flexibility in relationships is essential. To have good relationships, you must be flexible in your relationships. Uh, if you are rigid in your relationships, the more rigid a person is, the less fulfilling their relationships will be. So you have to be flexible in your relationships. You cannot be uh, rigid about everything. Some people have what I call the whack-a-mole uh, approach to a relationship. You never see the whack-a-mole game where every time a little, a little mole sticks up and you hit it with a thing? Some people are so opinionated about everything that every time, you know, something comes up, they disagree, whoa, they just whack it and whack it and whack it. If you have a, 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 a rigid approach to relationships, a overbearing, domineering attitude in a relationship, you're not going to have a healthy relationship. Some things are just going to be, uh, you're going to disagree on some things. And you've got to learn to accept that. And you've got to learn to deal with that. And you've got to be flexible. Here's what Jesus said. He said in Mark 2.22, he said, And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst and the, uh, burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Now, how does that relate to relationships? Well, in those days, they would, build, they would make uh, wineskins out of animal skins. And when they would you know, clean the animal out, they would take the hide of the animal and tie it together and sew it together and use it 
for, to pour wine in. And if you poured wine into a new wineskin, because the animal skin was fresh, it would stretch and it would expand when the wine fermented. But as the wineskin got older, the wineskin became rigid and brittle. And if you put new fermenting wine in an old wineskin, when there was the expansion of the wine, the fermentation of the wine inside, it would, it would crack and burst the wineskin, and both the wine and the wineskin would be ruined. And in relationships, you have to be like a new wineskin. You have to be flexible. And if you were asked right now, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being hardly not flexible at all, and 10 being highly flexible, where would you put yourself on that continuum? Are you a flexible person? Are you a person that can can compromise or your person that can give. And if you're going to have successful relationships working in a business world, being related in a marriage, having friends, you have to have a sense of flexibility in your relationships. Years ago, I was asked to go to, uh, uh, to Jamaica to speak at Youth with a Mission in February. They have a camp there, a discipleship training camp of students that go there. And so I was asked to go to Jamaica in February to speak at this conference. And so I, I prayed about, yeah, I would go in February. Yes, I felt the Lord was telling me to do that. <laughs> Didn't have to pray long about that. I sensed God was in this. So I went and I had a wonderful time and I taught. It was all good and the Lord blessed and it was great. And, but on the camp I stayed at, it was just absolutely beautiful. They had these, uh, these palm trees that were like 60, 70 feet tall, and they were straight as an arrow. And I was walking with the director of the camp one day, and I, I said to him, I said, man, these trees are amazing. I said, how do these trees survive during these tropical storms that hit these islands? And he said, it's interesting. He said, these trees have so much flexibility that in the wind and the storm when it comes, they bend almost to the point where the top of the tree can touch the ground. And that's how they survive. So how do you survive being married for 45, 50 years? How do you survive that? Well, there's got to be some flexibility. There's got to be some give and take. There's got to be, you know, hey, listen, I'm not going to, you know, make this a big deal. We're going we're gonna to work on this, and this is not a, not a big deal. We can work on this, and this is important. And so, uh, so there has to be that. You know, Karen and I, one of our biggest debates in life is, is, is about the remote on the TV. I mean, that's a big issue. And uh, I mean, really, how many Hallmark movies can one person watch? That's what my thoughts are. I mean, I, I start and I said, I have no idea where this is going to go, you know. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to happen here. Maybe is the blonde guy going to end up with a brunette, you think? But hey, listen, if you're going to be married, I'm watching uh, this. I like to watch sports as, as Cotter does. Cotter's a big sports buff. I'm, I'm watching this uh, documentary on uh, Derek Jeter right now, loving it and all that. And she comes in the room and I'm watching it and, and we compromise, you know. Uh, she watches two minutes of uh, Jeter and I watch two hours of the Hallmark movie. So <laughs> listen. The key to relationships have to do, has to do with flexibility. Uh, rigidity, there's things to be rigid on. There's things that are important. 
There's things that are, uh, uh, that's a real value to you. And I think if you're married to somebody, you've got to kind of, Lord, understand what the big things are, but make sure that you're flexible on those things that aren't so, uh, that aren't so important, that you can give up. Karen and I had this big thing in our relationship uh, that, uh, you know, this is, really bothers me. And I told her once, I said, listen, I don't care. I don't care if you're a serial, serial killer and you bury people in the backyard. I'm not concerned about that. What I'm really concerned about is when we go to bed at night, Karen loves to wash the sheets. She just loves to wash the, She wants clean sheets. So she, uh, she washes the sheets, and what I really, really hate is when you, you, you get done watching TV and you come to bed at 11 o'clock at night and the sheets and the bed's not made yet. That just causes my eye to twitch. I start having an issue. I said, listen, I know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a ball of problems, honey. I mean, I'm a ball of problems, and I know you put up with a lot, but could you just this one thing? Because I, when I walk in the bed, oh, Man, I'm ready. How many, when you get ready to go to bed, you are ready to get in that bed and just, woo, chill out, go to sleep, you know? And you walk in, oh, you got to make the bed and, uh, you know, and so I just, we've said that. And, and she does, you know, we, we work on that. That's where we are. And, uh, but she has this thing. Here's her thing. This is the thing where she says, I don't care if you're a killer, you bury bury the bodies in the backyard. I don't care, but what about this? Here's what her thing is. When she fixes dinner and it's ready and it's hot and she calls me, she wants me to do a, a sprint from wherever I am to get to the kitchen table. Does anybody else have this problem here? I can see I've lost about 50% of the audience right here. She, and I am the worst about, you know, changing my hat, changing my sweatpants, finishing the email I'm doing, and I'll meander in there. And I can, you know, can you tell? You can tell. Because she's chasing me around with a knife. I mean, I can tell. But you got you to gotta be flexible. You got to overlook some stuff. And you got to, you know, give each other a break. And you got to just kind of go along with that. Here's what Benjamin Franklin said. Benjamin Franklin said this. He said, he said, keep your eyes wide open before you get married and half shut afterwards. (laughs) Keep your eyes wide open because before you get married, that's the best it's ever going to be. And half showed afterwards. Very important thing. So here's the other thing here. Uh, Void, number four, avoid negative thinking in relationships. Avoid focusing on negative things in relationships. Um, Philippians 4.8 says, uh, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So when you're in a relationship with someone... I have a friend that, uh, dear friend, we've been friends for years, and the thing that I have a tendency to focus on in that relationship is that I am always the pursuer. I always call him. He never calls me kind of thing. And, and, uh, and so I know if I'm not careful, I can kind of let that, you know, what the world? He never calls me. I'm always calling him. And we hang out when we're together. We have a great time and all that. But, um, 
But what I, th- I have to think about the bigger picture. And that little thing annoys me. And in re- every relationship, there's something that will annoy you. And if you focus on that which annoys you, that's what is going to dictate the relationship. Instead, I think about, there's about four things that he does that are amazing in my friendship. So you have to choose what you're going to think about. Like Karen and I, we've got to, you know, I can't think about the sheets. I can't think about that. Uh, there's other things that are so good about Karen. I'm married way over my head. And how many of you that are married that you say, you, uh, you guys, you married way over your head, just say a big amen right now. And you better say amen. She's sitting right next to you. Just say amen right now. But you've got to focus on what's wonderful in the relationship. And think about that which is good. I heard about the silly, silly story about the uh, little boy that he always said what was on his mind. And his, his mom, you know, they went to this church, and there was a new pastor at the church, and the, the pastor had this big nose. He had a really big nose. And she was going to have the, uh, the pastor over for, for lunch, and she was worried about a little eight-year-old boy because he just said whatever's ever on his mind. And she said to him, listen, Pastor Smith's coming over, and he's got a big nose, and I don't want you to say anything about it. <laughs> don't say anything about Pastor Smith's nose, Please. And Johnny said, I, I won't, I won't, Mommy, I won't. So they're having dinner, and she's got the coffee and everything. And she looks at little Johnny. He's looking at pastor's nose. <laughs> and she knows he's going to say something. She grabs him and said, Johnny, come in the kitchen with me. He said, don't you say anything about that pastor's nose. Okay, Mommy, I won't. She goes back in, and she's pouring the coffee. And she says, Pastor, would you like any sugar with your nose? I don't know. <laughs> Well, what we focus in on a relationship dictates how that relationship goes. What you focus on determines what you're going to say. And it's very, very important. So there are things in relationships that you need to address. Some, you can't always suppress things, certain things that are important. In my relationship with Karen, our relationship, we have times where we, there's something that we really need to talk about. And you know the best time to talk about something that's bothering you not, is not when you're in an argument. The best time to talk about that is when you're in kind of normal time and uh, every once in a while Karen will say to me, you know, can I talk to you about something? I know that there's something we need to work on. And, she, and it's not like when, if you wait to say what's on your mind in an argument, it gets way distorted. And you start throwing hand grenades and you start, you know, shooting missiles and, and that's not the time to talk about that. So you need to not suppress but express certain things. Uh, but there's many, many things in our relationships that we need to overlook and to give, uh, uh, to give uh, grace for. Uh, pope John Thirteenth, one of the popes said, see everything, overlook a great deal, and correct a little. See everything, overlook a great deal, and correct a little. That's very, very important. So final, final thing I'd like to talk about is as we just kind of land the plane here is uh, in a healthy relationship, you have to take responsibility for your shortcomings and your failures and your mistakes. This is one of the most important things in any relationship is if we can somehow embrace our responsibility for things that we are uh, falling short in and take time to address that and deal with that and not so much focus on what the other person needs to change, 
but focus on what needs to change inside of us. The deepest thing that we have happening in the human heart is denial of our own weaknesses and failures. Uh, What we really lack in our relationships is self-awareness, self-awareness. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I work with people and talk to people, and, and to, it, to me, it's amazing how unself-aware they are about their own weaknesses and their own tendencies. So one of the prayers we need to pray for in relationship is not to straighten out the person we're married to, or not to straighten out our friend, but to ask God to give us wisdom to be self-aware of our mistakes, because we have a tendency sometimes to, to not do that. Jesus said, you know, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye when you have a, a floor joist sticking out of your eye. That's what the word really means, the beam. It's a floor joist. It's a big log. Now, that had to be funny when Jesus told that story. Can you imagine a guy that's got a telephone pole sticking out of his eye and he's trying to get a, a speck out of somebody else's eye? And so we have to be self-aware of our weaknesses and our mistakes and our failures and, and, and let the Lord deal with that. When, when man sinned in the Garden of Eden, uh, the first sin that, you know, the, when original sin came into this world, the Bible says that, uh, that the Lord came to look for Adam and Eve and they were hiding because they were naked and they were hiding behind the trees. And, and the Lord says, you know, Adam, where are you? Now, the omnipotent God asking where Adam and Eve are, that's not... That's not about location. That's about where you are in your heart. And he said to, you know, Adam and Eve, they said to Adam, did, did, you, did you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Did you, did you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And here, what did Adam say? This is the first sign of original sin in the human heart. Here's what, God, here's what Adam said to God. Now this, did you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? How many know that's a yes or no answer? That's not a, that's not a, you know, a, that's not an essay question. That's a yes or no answer. Here's what, here's what Adam said. It was the woman that you gave me. He doesn't see the fault inside of himself, but he casts the fault outside of himself to someone else. And this is the most destructive thing in any relationship. He said to the Lord, Lord, it was the woman that you gave me. And then God said to Eve, he said, Eve, did you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? She said it was the serpent. And the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on, so he was out of there. (laughs) You know, I told that story just to tell that joke, you know. (laughs) But our relationships cannot get better until we come to the point where we say, Lord, it's me. I'm the one that needs to get better. It's not my wife. It's not my friends. They're not perfect. But it's me. When I work on me, when I let the Lord work on me and I get out of my denial about my own weaknesses, when I can look at myself in the mirror and say, Danny, you've got some things to work on, and I can humble myself and say, Lord, help me to become the kind of person, the kind of husband 
the kind of friend, the kind of coworker that I should be, then my relationships get better. And here's, I want you to say this with me. Just say this. It's not them. It's me. It's not them. It's me. Now, don't point now. It's not them, but it's me. When I uh, first started the church uh, years ago, when our church started to grow in Millsboro, Cotter went there as a little boy, and the church was growing, and, and you know, things were going good because we decided to get a, a, new, a new church van, and that's a big deal. You know, when a church gets a church van, you are a church now. I mean, God was moving. We're getting a church van. I mean, we're going to have our name on it, have the telephone number on it. We had a landline then, telephone number on it. And it was exciting. And I remember meeting with the board, and, and there was a big division of the board. There were the Dodge group, and there was the Ford group. There was the Chevy group. <laughs> it took us, oh gosh, it took us like a, a year to decide what kind of van to buy. I didn't know there was that much to know about van. We were talking about back-end things and engines and tires and all this stuff. And I'm like, I am like, I'm lost. But these guys are going at it. And finally, the Ford people won. And we bought a brand-new Ford van. Brand-new. Got it from Preston. I think that thing was brand-new. One of the elders went to pick it up. And I met him at his work. And I got to drive it, you know, for church stuff and youth group stuff and all that. And then I could do private driving if I kept mileage and all that. So it was just a big deal. I've never had, you know, this is a big van. Had had an extra gas tank on it. And when I ran out of gas, just hit a little button. The other gas guy came in. It was just wonderful. I'm loving it. So I hadn't had it very long. And uh, Memorial Day, my friend and I, Tom Taylor, we were going to go play tennis. And so we're riding, uh, you know, in the church van. And we're going up to Mills where there was a couple of tennis courts at the middle school there. And we pull into the parking lot. And we're pulling into the parking lot. And there was a little guy, a little short, portly man playing tennis with a long, lanky teenager. And that little man was sitting. And we were watching that guy run back and forth. And we're watching this. And I ran into a telephone pole with a new church van. I don't know why this happened. This is no lie. Instinctively came out of my mouth. Tom! I yelled at the guy that was riding with me. Like it was his fault. Of course, Tom was injured, you know. He had, his knee was broken. And all I could think about was going to the board meeting and telling them that I had wrecked the new van. And so I went to him and I said, I have to confess something. I said, uh, I let Tom Taylor drive the new van and he wrecked the church van. (laughs) Hey, listen, one of the most important things in our relationships is let the Lord change you and he'll take care of changing other people. Would you lift your hand with me this morning? Everybody at Fenwick Island, everybody at at uh, Millsboro, everybody here at Rehoboth campus. Father, in this little simple message about relationships, boils down to us being flexible, boils down to us hanging in there with each other, boils down to us just taking responsibility for our stuff. Help us in our marriages. Help us in our relationships. Help us in our friendships. 
And we thank you that, Lord, you're going to prosper our relationships and that we're going to have good, healthy, deep relationships that keep us full of you and full of your love and full of your grace. And we thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.